This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit LizBruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Hello, everyone. I'm Liz Bruner. Welcome to my podcast, Live Your Best Life. My guest today is doing just that, living her best life. But getting to this best life took her through a series of painful events that radically changed her life. Her transition from physician to breast cancer patient was a journey through pain, loss, professional, emotional, and near-physical death, and finally, to self-discovery. The inspiring Dr. Cherie Prentice is joining me today. Hello, Dr. Cherie. Hello, Liz. How are you? Oh, I'm so well. And how are you this fine day? I am good. I am all good. Been waiting to talk to you for so long now, and I'm grateful and honored for the opportunity. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. And I'm actually going to take us way back. Well, not that far back, but to when you were two years old, you knew you wanted to be a doctor. How does someone know at two years old that you want to be a doctor and why? Well, first, let me say it does feel kind of way back, so that's all right. <laughs> but you know what? I, my, I don't remember the actual incident, uh, obviously, because I was two, but my parents shared this story so often growing up. I had a habit of climbing in bed with them as they watched. Marcus Welby. Oh, for and sake. on one particular episode, I was just moved and I stood up in the bed and I said, I know what I want to be. And then, you know, my parents, you know, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a doctor. And of course, my, my mom takes a moment and she says, well, why? And I exclaimed, because I want to help people. And mm. my parents thought that that was so altruistic, so beautiful. But then me being me followed it up with the second reason, and the second reason was I wanted to make a lot of money. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the second one didn't come into fruition as, as, as much as I had thought, but that first one, absolutely. Oh, I have given of my life service to being a practicing physician and it, brought, it has brought me so much joy, so much satisfaction, and I was able to help thousands of people and I was grateful for that opportunity. Well, and, and I know that, that practicing medicine truly fulfilled you in so many ways and, and you must have known, as you said from early on, that there was something about helping people that felt very organic to you. It felt absolutely natural. It, it, it didn't come as work. I didn't have to think about it. It was a part of my essence where I did have to work really hard was excelling in school. Uh, my parents, as a black female, my parents told me, we need you giving it 200% to make sure that you can achieve everything that you want to achieve with the honors that we know that you're capable of. Mm. And so I put all of my efforts into excelling in school extracurricular activities. I graduated at the top of my class at every level of schooling and had the fortune of attending some of the most world-class universities for my education. I dedicated my life. I literally could not see myself being anything other than a physician. And I only had maybe a few seconds of concern the night before I was taking my MCAT exam. 
Mm. In that split second, I just thought, what if I don't do well? And what if I don't, what if I don't get in? Mm. I had never had that thought before. But in that second, you know what I came up with, Liz? I said, well, I'll be the CEO of some business. Okay. And then that was it. Plan B. (laughs) Your plan B. That was it. Well, obviously you, you got in and everything was great. And you're going along, you're having a great career as a doctor. And then in 2008, you discovered a lump in your breast. It was cancer. Yes. And as a doctor, you yourself only gave yourself about a 75% chance of surviving for five years. And now at this point in time in your life, you're divorced, you're raising two kids, you have a mother who's dying, and here you are, you're fighting perhaps the greatest battle of your life and losing the woman whom you call your best friend at the same time. You even kept your diagnosis a secret from her for a while. I can't even imagine what that was like for you. It was very isolating. It was very alarming. And it was indeed life-changing. I mean, just that period of time in my life took my brain through this whole emotional roller coaster of, of my life, how I had spent it, how I had lived it. And now being faced with the reality of a very real reality, I might not live through this diagnosis. And I might be transitioning from this life to the next along with my mother uh, instead of being the person who would carry on as a potential matriarch of the family. And it really caused me to give pause and reflect on my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. And it really caused me to define or redefine, if you will, my purpose. Mm. You write about all of that in your wonderful book. It's called When Everything Changed, My Journey from Physician to Patient. And you admit in this book that doctors do, in fact, make the worst patients. And you write about a time when you were going through your chemotherapy and you had this crushing chest pain. You thought you were having a heart attack or possibly a blood clot. And yet here you are a doctor and you refuse to call 911. You go to bed actually wanting to die. And you wake up the next morning and you write in your book, quote, I was pissed and depressed that I was still alive. (laughs) That's honesty. It's honesty. And when I decided to put my experiences in a memoir and to, to put it out there, Uh, It was very humbling and it exposed my true feelings, but I felt that I could not be my authentic self by writing something that really wasn't true. A lot of people had the expectation. They told me while I was going through treatment, you're strong, you'll get through this. I had always been that pillar of strength in my home, in my career, in my neighborhood, in my volunteer work, but there were moments severe, significant moments of weakness. Mm. That was one of them. I was done. I was tired. I was tired of the treatment. My mom was dying. I I, I now had, you know, what was subsequently diagnosed a life-threatening, potentially life-threatening cardiac defect that I was born with and didn't know of, but the chemotherapy brought it out because it constricted my right coronary artery to a point where it was close to 90% block. So I was staring a heart attack right in the face and I was done. Mm. I was done. To wake up that next day really threw me for a loop. I thought, you know what, God, I was, 
I was making it easy for you. <laughs> All you had to do was just pull the plug, not let me wake up. But I woke up. But Liz, waking up in all of that pain, in all of the realization that I was not going to be able to get out of this journey, right. that I was going to be forced to go through it mm-hmm. because God was more interested in changing me than he was my circumstances. But I had to live through my circumstances. I had to work through those consequences in order for me to be changed my character to be developed, and my life's purpose to be newly realized. And I think that's a very powerful lesson for many people to understand because we all, we all maybe not have as many dramatic things happening at the same time that you did, but we all face challenges and sometimes we do want to give up and sometimes we are not strong. Sometimes we feel very weak and yet if we can get to the other side of that, our life yes. can sometimes change in a powerful way. Yes. And I can tell you that on my journey, I don't think I've come across anyone as of yet who have had similar circumstances. And maybe, like you stated, not all, but they're able to take bits and pieces of my story, those that have read my book. And they could identify with the emotions that I expressed, again, because I was real and genuine. You were authentic. Yes. Authentic. Exactly. Yes. Authentic. Offer transparency. Because when people see you on the other side of your struggle, looking and being and acting victorious, they only see the strength. They don't see the struggle. But when they are in the midst of their struggle, if all they see is strength and don't hear of the struggles that people went through, they think that they're somehow different than that person that came through. They think that they're weaker. They think that they don't have the resources. They believe that they don't have the character to bring them through. But when you're real and authentic and you express those weak moments, People can identify with your weakness because they're weak in that moment, too. And when they're able to see you on the other side, you now become a testimony. You now become their role model that they, too, can get through it. And so my memoir was not written just to share, you know, my woozy, woozy, woo story. But it really was a combination of what I went through plus the self-help because I do identify real-life lessons that were learned that for individuals reading it now, even when their life seems to be okay, they're going through life, they are skating by, no problems, no hiccups. But reading that book, not only will it help you to appreciate this season in your life where there are no hiccups, but I promise you it will prepare you for the seasons that have hiccups coming along in the future. Indeed. As strong as you were through all of that, that really wasn't the final blow. Your lifelong dream of practicing medicine was literally stripped from you in an instant. What happened? After my treatment for my breast cancer, which involved a partial mastectomy, they removed 16 lymph nodes, three of which were positive for cancer, 15 rounds of chemotherapy, and 33 treatments of radiation. A year later after my treatment, I developed a condition called lymphedema. Uh, lymphedema is where the lymph nodes in that affected limb are compromised or destroyed 
Uh, mine were completely destroyed in my right armpit because of all of my treatment and mm. in essence because of the cancer itself. It left me with severe permanent swelling of my right arm, hand, and fingers. And that permanent swelling prevented me from doing the clinical functions of my job. I had mm. to go through four months of daily physical therapy, wrapping, taping, massage therapy. And after four months, talking to surgeons about doing lymph node transplants and all types of things. I mean, I went through the gamut because I was holding on for the hope that I would, would be able to continue doing what I had spent my lifetime attempting to achieve and for 16 years being successful at. But after 16 weeks of, of physical therapy, I was relegated to wearing compression garments, which is the mainstay of treatment for individuals living with lymphedema 24-7. I wear a certain type of garment, sleeve and glove during the day, and a different type of compressive garment uh, for nighttime. And the garment itself, or if I took off the garment, the swelling itself prevented that fine motor movement. The ability to use my right hand, which I need my right hand, mm -hmm. I am right hand dominant to examine patients. I, I can't even tell you the void that I felt. It was completely different than the void that I felt when I, I wanted to die. It was right. different than the void that I felt when my mom died. This yes. was something new, something different. I mean, this was really totally. out of your control. Yes. And one disease caused another called right. another that blindsided me. And I had expected that I would have the support that I needed from the organization that I was working for at the time to get me through this hurdle. Sure. We were going to figure this out together because I was in an executive management position. So we could work this out. Uh, but instead, my boss at the time brought me into his office and and can you imagine, this is a meeting that you're expecting, okay, we're coming up with the steps. So, you know, Dr. Sheree will do only the administrative side. She's overseeing 22 different facilities. So we'll have her do that. But, you know, Sheree, you're going to have to figure out what's going to happen with your clinical responsibilities, but within budget. This is how I'm expecting the conversation to go. But instead, I sit down, table across from him, and the first thing he says to me is, well, Sheree, a physician who is not clinically capable is of no value to me. My heart sunk. I can't even say that it went into my throat. It went into a pit someplace that a dark place. Mm. I could not even speak. Mm. And being from the south side of Chicago, some people would say I, I could have read him. <laughs> <laughs> I could have played the dozens with him easily and have won. Um, and, and, you know, there were things, uh, explicatives that I, I could have, would have, should have said, but I couldn't. In that moment, Liz, all I heard was, you have no value. Devastated me. I don't use that word lightly, mm. but that was, that is the appropriate word for how I felt at that time because I couldn't react. My brain could not react quickly enough to say, oh, well, forget you. I'm still going to be okay. Because right. at 42, after everything that I've lost, half my right breast, my hair, my mom, my marriage, and now my career, and now I had no value. Mm. That is yeah. devastating. I, I mean, I can't yeah. even imagine. 
I guess the good news we can say through all of this, there, there are silver linings, is despite the challenges of lymphedema, et cetera, we're happy to share with everyone, you are a cancer survivor. <laughs> and yeah. yay, we need to celebrate that. And you have your own mantra, L-I-V-E, live. Would you share with our listeners what those letters mean to you? Yes. Live really came to me after I was trying to figure out what to do with my life now that I could not practice clinical medicine. And I was trying to figure out, well, what would I do? Uh, what's going to be my source of income to get these two kids in the school? And I couldn't figure that out. And I literally heard a voice that said live. And I struggle with that because I'm thinking, okay, well, God, I was trying to die and clearly you didn't let me die and I'm living. So what do you mean by live? I'm doing that. But then somewhere in the midst of me trying to figure out and develop a new vision and a new path for my life, live and what it meant truly came into light. And live for me means to love myself and others, to inspire those around me, to voice my dreams and ambitions, and finally to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And I live today and every day. Yes, you and do. And that has been my impetus to move forward in life. What can I do today that not only I will live, but I will cause others to choose also today to live? Well, I have to share how you are living because you have a nonprofit called the Live Today Foundation, which does help people who are suffering from lymphedema. And you were the national spokesperson for the Susan G. Komen three-day event. You did that for six years. We also need to throw in that you're an ordained minister and you have your own podcast called Where Medicine Meets Ministry, Dr. Cherie Talks Faith and Facts, and a TV show, The Live Today Show, or The Live Today Show, I should say. Plus, you're a motivational speaker. Good heavens, you are such a busy lady. (laughs) You have written that these past few years have been your time to fly, that all of that suffering that you went through has actually been an opportunity for blessing and abundance. What is the biggest message you want to share with people? The biggest message I want to share is you will have fear going through various trials. The emotion of fear is difficult to to just dismiss. But you can express and have courage in the midst of your trauma, drama, trial, tribulation, difficulty, whatever it is you want to call it. And that courage is you moving ahead and pressing through your circumstances in spite of your fear. Because we all have to be comfortable with uncertainty and improvisation. When that happens, you will live wisely and well, not in spite of your troublesome journey, but because of it. I want individuals to know that you can cause your misery to become your mission. You can cause your trial or test to become your testimony. And God can make a mess out of your life into your ministry. There is something that we lose sight of, and that is the fact that we were all born for service. I I think we get caught up on acquiring 
things and certainly having your own home, your own vehicle, being able to travel, getting your kids through college and, and so forth and so forth are important. But really, when you think about it, we were placed here to serve others. And had I given up and God went through with my request and not allowed me to wake up that day that I had that crushing chest pain, had I not pressed through and prayed and, and tried to come up with a new focus for my life once I lost my clinical career, I would never have achieved the things that you mentioned and thousands of lives would not have been blessed had I not achieved what God had already intended for me to do. I am now in a place of service, always have been, but I realize that I'm most blessed and I'm most joyful and I truly live when I am in a place of service and my misery has caused me to be in a best place of service that I could have never imagined for myself 12 years ago. When I was diagnosed, if you rattled off all of those things and said, Sheree, you could come through this. And this is what's waiting for you on the other side. I wouldn't have believed it. But in retrospect, going through what I went through gave me the strength, the fortitude, and the knowledge, as well as the skill set, to get me to where I am today. And I'm blessing people with my voice, not as much with my physical hands as I used to, but I am still in the healing business. Mm -mm. Your voice is a powerful healing message. And Dr. Cherie's book is When Everything Changed, My Journey from Physician to Patient. I've read it. I invite you to buy it, read it, share it with someone you love who could use a source of encouragement because it's incredibly uplifting. Dr. Cherie, I'm honored to have you share your story with all of us today. Thank you so very, very much. Liz, thank you for the opportunity to, to give me the chance to share my story on your platform. It means a lot because, again, this is part of me living today. You were a part of me living today. And everyone that gets the chance to hear this, choose today to live. Live today and every day. God bless you and thank mm. you for, for the opportunity again. Thank you. And I want to give people your website so that they can learn more about you. It's drsheriemd.com. So that's D-R-S-H-E-R-I-M-D.com. DrSheriemd.com. And before we close out, I want to share with everyone, Cherie, there's an unknown quote in your book that I think really speaks to everything you've talked about, and I want to share it with everybody. There are moments in your life that make you and set the course of who you're going to be. Sometimes they're little subtle moments. Sometimes they're big moments you never saw coming. No one asks for their life to change, but it does. It's what you do afterwards that counts. That's when you find out who you are. May all of you discover who you are and live your best life. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Liz Bruner, and until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.